It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. He's America's encourager, and he's a friend of Perry and Shauna. Jesse Bradley is a former professional soccer player. He's the lead pastor of Grace Community Church in Auburn, Washington, the host of the Bonfire podcast and author of The Power of the Second Thought. Yeah, Jesse, let's talk about New Year's resolutions or just, you know, setting goals for 2024. I'm not a New Year's resolution person, but I love to set goals and go after them. So the first thing we need is a plan. Talk about that. That's right, Perry. And so glad to be back on your show. Love the way you're encouraging people, inspiring people. And we dive right in. Let's talk about this relationship with God and how we can grow together. Plans are important. It's been said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And another way of saying it is be intentional. When you look at the life of Jesus and you open up your Bible, Jesus is intentional and he's prayerful. And as he does things, there's always purpose, and he's glorifying the Father. So we don't want to randomly go through our days. Every day is a gift. Uh, but let's be intentional. God will teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And it's important to have a plan because we need direction in life. Yes, the Holy Spirit directs us in spontaneous ways, things that we can't plan. God always works in that space. But then God also calls us to line up with his word and have his priorities, see people the way he sees them, and make the most of our opportunities. So one area for me in terms of having a plan that's really helped is reading the Bible. And this goes back actually to my 20s. And I was someone that wasn't real consistent in my daily time with God. And I had a desire to read the Bible, but I needed some structure and I needed a plan. And a friend gave me how to read through the Bible in one year, literally three chapters every day. And that seemed doable. I mean, I can read three chapters in maybe about 10 minutes. And yes, some days I go a little deeper and it's Bible study and it's lots of depths. Other days, I just read through those chapters. Some days I'll just listen on an app. But I started that year and every day, if I missed a day, I'd go back and, and read those three chapters. When I got to the end of the year, it's like I read through the whole Bible for the first time in my life. And the Bible's 66 books. The Bible's the Word of God. The Bible's living and active. It changes us. So it wasn't just that I got in the Word, but the Word got in me. And as I completed that year, there's no sense of pride. There's no sense of, you know, I earn God's love. Theologically, let's make it clear, when we have habits and we have disciplines and we are drawing close to God through those, they are not the end goal. The end goal is to be close with God, and those are just instruments or vehicles. But yes, those are helpful, and ultimately, the Bible's a gift that God's written us that book. And when I completed that first year, I thought, the beginning of the next year, I don't have a more important habit. I don't have a better plan, you know, foundational in my walk with God right now than to read the scripture. So it's really continued every year. And it's the same plan. Sometimes you have a plan that works one year and it works the next year and it works the next year. But that's been one plan for me that I don't want to give that up. It's been too fruitful. And that's a plan that God's blessed. One of the things that, I, that I'm that i hoping for and praying for 
in this year is that by year's end, I will have more fruit of the Spirit in my life. And that's not something I can necessarily make happen. It's got to be the Lord's Spirit at work within me. So I don't know. Can you call that a plan? I want more fruit of the Spirit by December 2024? Right on. What a great desire. What a great goal. What a great direction for your life. And a lot of times, God will work together, his spirit and his word. And when you see that, like railroad tracks are both going the same direction, when you get the nourishment of the word, the Holy Spirit uses that in your life. Now, the word is not God. That's important. The Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. That's not the Trinity. The Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need the spirit. And what I would say is some people study the word, but they don't actually enter into the relationship. Jesus said, you diligently study the scriptures, yet you refuse to come to me. So the word and the spirit go together. And I would say that the more time you're spending in the word, the more the spirit is going to empower you, the more there's going to be renewal, remind you of that scripture. You know, the spirit reminds us of the truth and the spirit's going to open up your eyes as you read the scripture. To have that goal, the fruit of the spirit, Uh, Some goals are more measurable than others. Like it's easy to measure three chapters a day. It's a little more difficult to measure more joy, more peace. At the same time, Jesus said, you'll know their fruit and the fruit will be evident. And you can't have good fruit without a good root. If the roots are off, you won't have the good fruit. You'll have the bad fruit. So there's a depth with God and that habit starts to facilitate it. And just as we're talking now, I'm thinking of the beatitude, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And so our desires are a huge part of accomplishing God-sized goals, which is more fruit of the Spirit. So, you know, I'm, I'm being encouraged as we're talking that if you, listening right now, if you've got desires in your heart for more of God, God is going to actually fill you. If you desire more of God, he will give you more of him. It's such a good word. Luke eleven thirteen. how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And when you think about the passage where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, it's Matthew 6 in the context of do not worry. So instead of worrying, worshiping. Instead of worrying, seeking God. And that's what I hear in your heart. And God knows your heart. God knows all of our hearts. And that sincere desire to grow in your walk, to grow in more fruit, to have God change you. God has already the power to change you. And he'll use his word. He'll use his spirit. And being teachable, hungering, like you said, that's at, at the core of growing. A lot of times we don't grow until we want to grow, until we're teachable and, and we want to change. And then God changes us, transforms us from the inside out. It's not try harder. It's trust more. It's rely more. It's surrender more. It's throw myself on Jesus more. Love it. And it takes humility to grow, doesn't it? Because the minute we white knuckle it, think our plan is perfect, all I need to do is try harder. God's message isn't, I'm going to give you the principles and then you just get it done. That's not God's message. The truth is, individually and the church, when you look at the book of Acts, is that without the Holy Spirit, we're just going in circles. Without the Holy Spirit, we get stagnant. Without the Holy Spirit, we go sideways. We're going backwards. The Holy Spirit empowers us, guides us. This incredible relationship with God couldn't be more intimate. Literally, God in us, 
We don't become God, but God works in us. And the more you rely on God, some people think when they grow, they rely on God less. Spiritual maturity means you can do it all and you know it all. No, no, no. Spiritual maturity means you rely on the Holy Spirit even more than you ever have. And that's healthy. I love what you're saying because we need to really see our need for God's word. We don't live by food alone. And then we need to see our need for the Holy Spirit every day. And when you see that, then you want it. The more you know the Holy Spirit, the more you want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you because your life will be best when the Holy Spirit leads. And if you lead, it won't be the same. So trust the Holy Spirit. Love it. All right, Jesse, I know that one of your goals for 2024 is to read through the word. How are you doing with that, brother? Yeah, great. I'm thankful that you asked. I have found this app where I can listen to the word, and that helps me because honestly, some days I'll need it because I'm driving and I just want to hear the word. Here's what's great. Sometimes I'll listen to the word and walk and I'll just go far beyond the three chapters. I'll listen to the word and run and go far beyond the three chapters. So overall, I'm on track so far, praise God. But I'll tell you, there's some days where I've had to read it the next day and just being honest. And then there's days where I'll just let the word go for an hour on my app and I'll just have extended time reading. And as a pastor, you might think, well, he's in the Word every day, and and that's true. I'm preparing things, so during the day, I'm in I'm in the Word all the time. But the time when I just read the Word, listen to the Word in the mornings, and that's what I do. It's important for a lot of people to pick a time of the day. If you don't have a place, a time, it's hard to be consistent. So I pick the morning. I pick when I first get up. I have four kids, so it's a little bit of an adventure. But when I first get up and I get in the Word, it changes my day, and I'm not in prep mode. I'm not in, hmm, what can I use in my sermon? Oh, how am I going to take this and communicate it? I'm not in that mode. I'm just in that mode where it's me and God, and it's a relationship, and I'm just listening to God, and I'm getting filled up. And almost always, if I have the word in the morning, I feel ready for the day. And if I don't, something's missing. There's an emptiness there. I'm just hungry spiritually in a way like I haven't had my food yet. And I encourage you, for a lot of people, it's coffee. You know, they say, I've just got to have my coffee, and then I'm on track. Coffee can only do so much. We know this. And and I'm not trying to be overly spiritual or any drive-by guiltings. What I am saying is think of your soul. And when we started to have our four kids, we had to think of their soul. Like, how can we bring them the word every day before bed? What can we do to bring Scripture in? And we all need Scripture every day. And just backing up, we're talking about setting goals. When we set goals, I need you and you need me because we can't do it alone. We need to hold each other accountable, but not in a law enforcement kind of way. I think accountability can fall into this legalistic kind of I'm checking up on you type of thing. What does life-giving accountability look like? I think back to when I played soccer. I played at Dartmouth College and then I played overseas as a professional. And on a soccer team, accountability is just a given. We know we need each other. Now, it says that in 1 Corinthians 12, for the body of Christ, we need each other, but we would hold each other accountable. When it came to weightlifting, we would do it together. When it came to working on our skills, we'd do it together. When it came to scrimmaging, you know, beyond practice, we'd do it together. It was a team, and it should have a team feel. 
with sports, a lot of times there's a healthy culture, a healthy locker room. And in, it's not, I'm better than you. I can bench more than you. Everyone had their own weight program, but we knew we're all in there together. We wanted to bring out the best in each other. And that's what I would say Christian accountability is. How can you bring out the best in each other? Some people meet at the coffee shop every week, but they still lie. They're not honest. <laughs> that's not bringing out the best in each other. Some people, it gets really competitive and there's envy or jealousy. And they think, you know, Pharisees, I'm a little better than you because I can do it more often and I'm I'm more consistent with it. It should never lead to pride. But having said that, there's a sweet spot in there in terms of accountability. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And sometimes that is hard. You have someone that's right there with you that's asking you the tough questions. That's not just going to fall for your, you know, excuses. They're going to say, no, that doesn't cut it. You, you, you didn't get it done. And sparks fly when iron sharpens iron. So we need to be, again, teachable, welcome people in. But doing it together, we go further. And that's true with churches, ministries, collaboration. That's true within a church. Bible study groups, men's groups, women's groups. That's true with just a friend in the family. I mentioned we have our devotion times with our kids, and one of the kids might feel like skipping it. One of the kids might feel like just gaming. One of the kids might feel like I've had a full day. Well, one of the other kids will say, we haven't done our devotion. It's time, you know, before bed. Let's read the Bible. And we're all back in there together. So one person can make a difference. And we need to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. That's what the Bible says. It's a team sport. In America, a lot of times we emphasize the me and not the we. And I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, the we is even more than the me. We do need both. There's individual discipline. At the same time, the body of Christ, we need each other. And part of the health in any church is how well we can do it together. Not just that I'm praying for you, but I'm praying with you. Those shifts are powerful. And we really need to read the Bible with a we mindset and walk through life with a we together mindset, building up the body of Christ. That's what accountability looks like. I need to have an attitude of humility and not get defensive because when we're working together and we're in it together, our skin can get too thin. I'm not going to become better if I'm defensive, if I have a thin skin, if I'm not teachable, if I'm not coachable. That's right. And there's an excitement when you do it together. You know, for the last eight years, our church begins the year with fasting. We all know it's a stretch. I mean, fasting, you give something up to gain something. And as you give up food or entertainment or your favorite dessert, we're all in a place where our flesh wants that. You know, why would we give it up? Food's good because of the gain. We're going to grow together in our faith. We're going to seek God to begin the year. We're going to read the scripture more, pray more, and we're doing it together. So even in our own family, we're encouraging each other because, hey, you can make it. Hey, good job. Mm -hmm. And we inspire each other when we do it together. If you're doing things and nobody knows about it and you're just in your own little world doing them, they could be great under the Lord, and there's a place for that. But when we enter in together, and this is true, if you've got a goal of working out physically, if you've got a goal of praying more, find your person. Just think, who is out there in your life that God's brought to you that has a shared purpose and passion? How can you lock arms with them? And then as you set those goals together, do it humbly, be teachable, like you said, Perry.
It is so important to find our why. You know, we hear this, what's your why? So how do we find our why? And then how do, how do our goals uh, flow out of our why? Yes, when we lose sight of that purpose, that God-given purpose, we end up retreating, passive, intimidated. Think about Elijah in the Bible. He's a prophet, and he was bold. He saw the moral and spiritual deterioration. And on Mount Carmel, he called it out. He said, we've got to turn from the false gods. We've got to trust in the living God. God sent fire down from heaven. I mean, it was an incredible victory. And we need today in America to literally, in God we trust, we need to make shifts. We need to repent. We need to drop our idols and our uh, false gods, and we need to turn to living God. This, this message resonates. And then what happened to Elijah? He lost track of his why. He lost his purpose. He got focused on himself. He got intimidated by Jezebel. He is silent, retreating. He's in a cave. And when you lose your why, you end up in the cave. And God spoke to him. And God comes alongside of us when we lose our purpose. And God says, what are you doing here in the cave? And he gave new vision, new encouragement. He ministered in the cave. And Elijah regained his why. And then he went back and he raised up Elisha. And now he's thinking generations and multiplications and faithfulness. We have a glimpse with that prophet there of what can happen to any of us when we lose track of the why. The good news is that God fills us with purpose. If you know Jesus, you have incredible purpose. And then there's promises. God's with us. God's going to empower us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says we are saved by grace. And that's true. That's wonderful. We have salvation in the Lord. But then also Ephesians 2.10, God goes ahead of us. He's already prepared good works. I lost sight of my why last year, and I got caught up in ministry success, and I had to reset. And by God's grace, I've been able to reset. And this has helped me reset. My why is, and, and I think that we can plug this into whatever we're doing in life. We can plug this why in. I'm here to glorify God, to honor God, and I'm in this world for the sake of the world. Mm-hmm. Love that. And sometimes it helps to say it clearly, write it down clearly, so you can look at it. You you don't stumble and and get caught up in all the action that's going on. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. We are going to need to rely on God. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be sacrifice. We know there's sacrifice. Listen, if you know Jesus and he's your Savior and Lord, okay, if you don't, put your trust in him right now. Make that decision. No greater decision. Eternal life, forgiveness of sins by grace, because of his death and resurrection. If you've made that decision, you're in God's family. And this is what God says about you. You're a saint, you're a minister, you're an ambassador, you're a priest. Mm. You already are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to seminary to become that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to earn that. That's who you are. So know your identity and your purpose flows out of that. Now, there's going to be some general things. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's purpose every day to bless the people around you. And then there's going to be personal. There's going to be very specific purposes that no one else is called to do. Right now, my four kids have one father. I'm the only one in the world that can be their dad. That's a special purpose. And that's something I can't ask someone else to do. It's God's called me to do that. Like right now in this season, our church has one lead pastor. God's called me to do that. So there are specific areas, literally, God's written your name on it. And God has led you to do it. And you're not on your own. He's going to give you everything you need. 
but his grace is sufficient at the same time we know we can lose sight of our purpose so don't let the mission creep the vision creep if it helps write it down and then say yes isaiah said yes to god god send me here i am send me and saying yes to God is where it all starts. On the other side of yes, God's going to develop that purpose. He's going to develop you. And I'll ask you this way, what's your legacy? Mm. Or what has God called you to do in this world that no one else is mm. called to do? Mm. You are unique for a reason. No one else is like you. Psalm 139, you're wonderfully made. No one else has your fingerprint. No one else has your personality. You have incredible purpose on this earth. And to say yes to God, God's going to lead, guide, and direct it, and it's going to be better than anything you could plan, but it starts out with small, simple obedience. You say, God, here's my five, here's my two, here's my five loaves of bread, my two fish. I know I can't feed the masses, but you give that to Jesus, and then look at the purpose he had. He's going to feed the masses. He's going to feed the crowd. He's going to take over. And when you come to the Lord and you say, yes, I'm offering myself, and that's worship. Purpose flows out of worship. And start with worship, offer yourselves, and then watch God write the script. And I just want to ask the Lord right now that he would bring out that unique, special, God-given purpose in your life. It says in his word that we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And I'm just praying that because you're God's workmanship, that he will drop into your heart that unique God dream that only you can, that only you can accomplish in your life, that he would do that even now because he's so kind and because he wants you to flourish in every way. So when we set goals, whether it's a New Year's resolution or it's just goals are really good to keep us moving forward, we need to become more dependent and less self-sufficient, I'm thinking. That's it. And we're living in a world where I think we know self-sufficiency isn't going to cut it. We live in a culture where everyone does what they want to do. That's not going to work. We need followers of Jesus who are filled with the Spirit, filled with purpose, have intentionality, and are committed. Jesus was committed. My devotion with my kids last night, it was learning how to do things you don't want to do. And there's going to be times in our purpose that are defining. You say, I don't feel like sharing my faith. I don't feel like serving extra hours at the church. I don't feel like, and you got to move past feel like and say, this is about commitment. This is about faithfulness. There's no greater North Star in our life than faithfulness to God. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus and make sure faithfulness is the ultimate goal, then my today looks very different. It's not about what I feel like doing. It's not about what everyone else is doing. It's not about all the different voices that I hear. It's about the one voice, the good shepherd, the sheep know his voice. And when Jesus says, you know, in his word, when Jesus says through his spirit, do this, then I'm saying how high as I'm jumping on the way up, right? Mm -hmm. And I just know that I can't let challenges have the final say. God is too good. He's done too much for us. And there's too much on the line. Heaven and hell are real. This culture right now, there's a lot of chaos. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. And as God gives clarity, 
We want to be in step with the Spirit for such a time as this. Understand the times. Redeem the times. God wants to fill his people with his presence. And when you have God's presence, you're going to have his purpose, his power, his peace. It's all part of God's plan for our lives. And you mentioned the Spirit. It's not by our might or by our power, it says in Zechariah, but it's by the Spirit. Apart from his Spirit, apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. That's it. And a lot of times in ministry, we get together, we have a team, a committee, a staff, we make a plan. It looks great on paper. But unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. God says, it's not by might, it's by my Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit's direction, mid-course adjustments. And what happens, the ministry ends up being better than what we planned. It ends up being different and better. If you've ever gone on a missions trip, you've got a plan. If you've ever played sports, you've got a game plan. But then you know you're in the game. And on the missions trip, there's so many changing elements. you got to be flexible. you got to be listening to God. And as you do that, God is going to redirect you. The Apostle Paul in Acts 16 thought it was Asia, Bithynia, Phrygia. And God said, no, Macedonia. Paul loves God. He listens to God. He's in step with the Spirit. And yet he thinks it's going to be a place in his own mind because God's thoughts and ways are higher than ours. He thinks it's this direction. And God says clearly, no, I'm going to redirect you over here. If there's static on the line for the Apostle Paul, all of us are going to need to be in that place of leaning in, not assuming, because the original plan is not usually the end plan. If you've got kids you think the day is going to go one way, and then what happens? And pretty soon you're making an extra trip to school, and you stay up later, and one of them's sick, and you're like, okay, God's still with me. This didn't surprise God. Nothing here surprised God. So God isn't worried. I don't need to have an anxious presence. And with that non-anxious presence, that's going to stand out. People who are serving, humble, committed, non-anxious presence, that happens through the Holy Spirit, you will shine a bright light in a dark, confused generation right now. The posture in your purpose is not to be critical and complain and have a spirit where you're just judging everybody, you're better than everybody, despair, silence. No, the posture right now is that with courage, in the book of Acts, they had courage because they've been with Jesus. Be with Jesus. And out of that abiding in that relationship, you will bear much fruit. That's the promise of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Abide with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. The world right now has some negative pictures, negative perceptions. The world needs to see that there are people who love Jesus, abide with Jesus. And when people see Jesus in you, there's no greater compliment. That's the ultimate purpose. Well, that isn't going to happen. You won't take people deeper than your own walk with God. People aren't going to see Jesus in you if you're not abiding with Jesus. So make it your first goal to abide, relational. And I know that's a challenge for task-oriented people. I'm someone who likes to take the next mountain. But I've lived life long enough. I walked with God long enough to know this is relational first. And relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That relationship, everything flows out of that. That oneness, that closeness, that trust. And then there's going to be purpose beyond what you can imagine and God is going to open up new doors. I can't think of a more exciting time to live for Jesus than right now. God has given us so many resources, and there's so many needs that anyone who will say yes to God, God is going to use you in mighty ways to change many lives beyond what you could think or imagine to the glory of God. Always give God the glory when there's success. Psalm 115 verse 1, not to us, not to us, 
but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We love God. We love Jesus. And just be authentic and humble, and God will do amazing work through you, even his power in your weakness. He's going to do it. And so, God, we call on you to show us great and mighty things which we do not know. Here we are, Lord. Here I am. I surrender. I'm available. Lord, use me. Uh, Help me to partner with you to see the great things that we don't yet see. Jesus is at work doing new things in the world. Jesse, what's one of the new things that God is doing through your life and with your church? Barry, God's doing new works. You know, we have drive-through prayer in our church. And every Friday night, there's a team out there in another church that joined us. The two churches together, uniting. That's what we need. And then this drive-through prayer that started, now other churches are wanting to do it. And God let it start of the pandemic and COVID. It was like, let's do drive-through prayer. There's people in our community who need prayer. And it just keeps growing. And more people come and know the Lord. And more people start coming to church. And it's one of those things where you take one step and be faithful in the next step. And then God will birth something that you didn't even see coming, where lives are being changed. The body of Christ is becoming alive and active. And communities they they are participating. Even people who don't know Jesus, they're pulling in for prayer. So love what God's doing. So people just pull up in their car and roll down the window and get prayer. Is that what you're doing? That's right. There's signs. Some of our people just hold signs. I've held the sign the whole night. He just hold the sign. Thousands of people driving by. A lot of people wave, some honk, some do some other gestures, but mm-hmm. people pull in. And they don't have a church. They just say, how much is prayer? We said, there's no there's no charge here. This is free. And they come in. They'll pour out their hearts. There, there's one guy who had a fight with his wife. He was going to the casino. He was just going to you know, spend his money at the casino, saw a drive through prayer, pulled in, received prayer, and then said, I'm driving back to get things right with my wife. I'm not going to that casino. Hmm. And, and then there was another boy, six years old, uh, with his mom driving by. And he said, mom, go in. And she was kind of like, what? And he said, mom, go in, go in. So they drove in and Greg is one of our leaders. Greg came to know Jesus when he was seven. Now he's a senior. And this boy that drove in, he started asking questions and we shared the gospel. Asked mom, is it okay to share about Jesus? Mom said, yes. And shared about a relationship with God, faith in Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. He's risen. The boy made a decision to follow Jesus. Hmm. Six-year-old boy right there. He saw the signs. He wanted God. We drove in. He comes to know Jesus. There's people who join our church, Bible study. Some nights there's several. There'll be people who are homeless that walk by and, and want prayer. Every day is different. It's like a missions trip. But this is what we knew. We had a lot of prayer in our church, prayer groups, 24-7 prayer. But we need to bring prayer to the community. Prayer is, for a lot of people, it's disarming. I have a lot of family members that don't know Jesus. Most of my family doesn't know Jesus. When we get together for the holidays and I say, can I pray before the meal? They say, yes. Sometimes they say, will you put me on your prayer list? Prayer is something that we know we need in the times we're living in. And people are grateful if you pray for them. I'm surprised how open people are that you pray with them. And we now have a digital prayer wall we just started, and we invite people from our community. They can 
enter in, put in their prayer requests, and we will pray for them. We're trying to extend beyond the walls of the church. Go to the street. Go to the people. Not everyone, especially where I live in Seattle, is going to be coming inside the building. Probably about 3 to 5% on a weekend come to a church in our city. We want to see that number go up. And we realize it's not going to happen just by a couple more ads on social media. We've got to go to where people are, build relationships, serve them, connect. And people want prayer. People need prayer. That's a place to start. They'll literally pull their car in. Our team's ready to pray with them, listen to them. They'll pour out their hearts. People are going through a lot these days. Pain just below the surface. You don't have to ask many questions. It's been said, you know, if you ask three times, how are you doing? Hey, tell me a little more about that. How do you feel about that? And then how are you really doing? You Mm. ask that question three times, Mm. people are going to share about the pain in their lives. A lot of pain points. And when someone starts to share about the pain, it's a chance to listen. Sometimes we underestimate how powerful it is just to be there, your presence, and listen. And weep with those who are weeping. And as you get to know their story and listen, you can simply say, can I pray for you? I was talking to someone at our church who said, I might be risking my job, but there's moments, and she's in HR, where she'll hear someone pour out their hearts, and she'll say, is it all right if I have you on my prayer list? Is it all right if I keep you in my prayers? Is it all right if I pray for you right now? And people almost always say yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And that simple offer, how can I pray for you? It's a beautiful question, and God uses that in mighty ways. Perry, literally... A church from Texas saw our drive through prayer, reached out to us and said, we want to do this in Odessa, Texas. And some of our team went down there and showed them and trained them. And now they're doing it and they send us pictures and more churches are asking about it. I literally just got an email. I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach out here. In the body of Christ, things keep growing. And once you're in step with the Spirit, doing something God's called you to do, there's purpose there. Now someone else sees that, and they're going to do it in their own setting and contextualize it. And it'll even be better in the way they do it, because they know the nuances, they know the people, they know the city, and pretty soon there's a movement happening. And I think in this country right now, what do we need more than prayer, right? Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I'm going to hear from heaven, forgive their sin, I'm going to heal their land. Mm-hmm. God can heal America if his people will pray. If his people will repent and turn from sins, seek his face, God's going to heal our land. So let's pray together. Jesus, teach us how to pray. We stumble through prayer. We're growing in prayer. But God is faithful. He hears our prayers. And right now we need to pray for our country, pray for our our churches, pray for our cities. And there's no limits to what God will do when we pray. Thanks for letting Perry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Perry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.